Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me Ben. How do you say your last name? I tried it three <laughs> or four times. I don't want to mess it up. He goes by BK, but how do you tell people how you say your last name, Ben? I think when they hear it, they'll be like, oh, that's why he goes by BK. It's uh, it's Ben Kenegendorf. Uh, yeah, Ben Kenegendorf. I tried it better now. He is an <laughs> e-commerce drop shipping expert. Uh, met him through a mutual friend named George Bryant. Uh, but Ben, for people that don't know you and what you do, you also have a podcast, much other stuff. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into e-commerce, how you got into podcasting and helping of all the people you help. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a bit of a loaded question. I'll do the best I can. Uh, so I, in 2014, I, I was working in a Walmart distribution center. It was a newer building. So first shift, people who were on first shift, they weren't leaving. Um, we worked four tens there, which is also appealing if you work a regular job. And in 2014, I had made it to first shift. And I remember distinctly walking in that day to first shift, like, fuck yeah, I made it. It's 4 a.m. I'm in with the big boys. And I got there and everyone just looked absolutely dead inside. And it, I remember it very vividly. And I was just like, oh, shit, like this is I'm 29. Right. And so I'm like, this is the rest of my life. This is what I've been shooting for. Maybe I become a, you know, a coach is what they call managers there because we're a team. Um, give me a W. Yeah. Anyway, so like I made it there and it was not exciting. It was like, everyone was dead inside. And I remember it's, it's on my website. I don't know word for word, but it's a note I took on my phone on the 5th of May. I went and took a bathroom break, one of many that day to stop working. Uh, and I took a note on my phone that it was like, I just, I have to get out of here. This place is slowly driving me insane. Make a plan, start executing on it. And so that's where I started. I, 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 I didn't know where to go and uh, I let the internet kind of guide me. And so that led me to flipping products uh, on eBay from garage sales, realized that wasn't scalable. Somehow that turned me into the word drop shipping. And, and that's kind of where I first discovered it. Then I kind of stumbled into high ticket drop shipping, and that's what really turned me on. I ended up taking a course on that in 2015, and that's kind of really where my my whole journey started. Is um, you know just getting one store off the ground in 2015. No, that's cool, and I, and I relate well with you. So when I started uh, sales 15 plus years ago, before I was in sales, I was in a factory working for a company called Pfizer, and it was like the goal is to get to Dave. And I'm sitting there going, when you said that you walk on days and you see them and it's just like, just dead inside. No offense to people that want to do that. If they like that, that's great for them. But yeah, I, I had to do something else differently. So tell us a little bit more. So you're getting into, you, you start with, you know, you don't want to be where you're at. So you're getting into trying to find a way out. And you say you took a course on it. I'm assuming there's a lot more involved in that process than just taking a course. How did you become successful at it? What, what, what were some of the steps you took? Yeah. So this, uh, you know, I told you before the call, if you want to give the whole business model away, I'm happy to do that. Uh, as far as the steps I took that course that I took, it's still around today. Um, myself and my business partner who we now have our own course on it. Uh, we started there and we realized it wasn't everything. It's a great place to start. And it, and it taught you basically what I'm happy to give away for free on this, on this show is like, how the whole system works, right? So if you're not familiar with drop shipping, that's simply a method of fulfillment. About half the internet works this way, uh, where I have it on my website, uh, you buy it from me, and that, that manufacturer 
of the brand that you just bought ships it on my behalf to you. They drop ship it to you. So I never hold any inventory. I don't actually pay for the item until it actually sells. And so there's, you know, very uh, low risk there until you can acquire the customer. Uh, and that is drop shipping in a nutshell. And I think it got popularized by people, you know, uh, I often reference this thing, a monocle I saw where they were zooming in on some girl on the beach. I'm like, great ad. I'll buy this thing and see what happens. It showed up 42 days later in a heavily taped box. The thing is junk. Uh, that's what people think of when they think dropshipping AliExpress, right? And mm -hmm. so this this course taught me a different way. What if you could sell products people were already searching for? And the model for this was well written at the time. That was Wayfair had just started, but, but if you don't know, Wayfair started as dozens and dozens of different niche stores selling all of the different categories that you can find on wayfair.com currently and then they brought it all together and they were drop shipping everything uh, they eventually moved into warehousing once they became the the behemoth that they are but that that was the model right and so this course kind of showed me you know go find brands people are already searching for set up a website call those brands say i'd like to sell your products and then go run google ads and acquire those customers and that was the extent of that course and that's that's where i got started but where growth really happened for me was you know, learning a, a bit more about marketing. Uh, I'm an absolute nerd when it comes to SEO. I think that's the biggest growth lever anybody can pull in their business. Uh, and, and, you know, learning how to actually run a business, not just go acquire a couple of customers and make a few bucks. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So when you're training someone or teaching them this method, because I know like this whole podcast is about helping people break that six figure barrier different ways. You know, like I did it through sales, you do it through selling stuff online, other people do it through courses, you know, there's different ways. Do you recommend that they niche down and find just certain products to do, or do they go wide with it? What What's a good strategy to start out? Yeah, I think there's a few points here, right? So we try not to think products. Uh, oftentimes people just think product, 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 product. But as our mutual friend George would say, the person searching for that behind the screen, that's a human, right? And so mm -hmm. like, let's actually focus on the human here. And so we try in our course uh, and in all of our podcasts to tell you to think about a market, think about a human being who's buying something and like, what else do they buy rather than just focus on one product and really corner yourself off. So I think I like to be as niche as possible in the beginning so that I can, you know, build some relevance and, and sell some products and, and build an audience and then expand from there. So don't, don't corner yourself off. Like I sold pellet grills at one point, right? I own the domain pellet It still exists. I sold it. Uh, that's, that's a little too cornered off, right? You're only yeah. going to be able to sell pellet grills. You couldn't really expand there. Where I was also part of a business, shoptinyhouses.com, which allowed us to sell everything you would find inside of a tiny house or outside of a tiny house and really be able to grow our business from there, not just sell one, one thing. So I would encourage everyone to start small, but focus on the human and what else that human buys. Like even if you're selling you know, high-end surfboards, that person does things when you can't be surfing, right? Or, or throughout the year, they might be a skateboarder, they might be... A, a snowboarder, right? What else can you, how else can you serve that human behind the screen? Yeah. So how do you find your clients with this thing? Like, how do you attract them? I know you mentioned SEO a little bit, but how do you get people to come and buy it from you instead of going to a website or the manufacturer? Yeah. So uh, look, we get this complaint a lot that people are like, if the manufacturer sells it, why could anyone else sell it? Right? Like, uh, do you shop at Target, uh, Joe, or or Walmart, or Best My Buy, or yes. Whole Foods? You yep. can buy most yep. of those products directly, but you don't, right? You go to a place that is housed for this, uh, or Amazon, or you know Lowe's, Home Depot, things like that uh, are places where you really can't get any service either, or any explanations, but you still go there to buy the products. And so the same thing happens online. These retailers are very good at making a good product, but they need someone like you to sell it. So th the example I typically give on on, on podcasts is like. If you go to Google right now and you search infrared sauna, you click the shopping tab, 
it'll sh it'll give you a list of all the brands that exist that, that are infrared saunas. Some of those are going to be retailers. A lot of those are going to be brands, right? And the one that stands out to me, um, and I just found this out yesterday on a podcast because they updated their site is Sunray Sauna. If you go to Sunray Sauna and like look at their website, they used to have a button that literally said become a dealer. Uh, and that's as easy as it is. So what I want you to think about is like whatever you're selling, there's brands behind this that already exist that people are already searching for. Those are going to be your brands on your website. Most of them are happy to bring on other retailers. And then as far as acquiring a customer, the beauty of this model is people are already searching for these products. So if you can go to uh, Google Shopping, set up a three-tier funnel, which is uh, not as hard as it sounds when I initially say it, and really siphon off the keywords you want to show up for, which is you know brand name, product name, or SKU, or like really bottom of the funnel keywords, you can step right in front of those customers who are already searching for this product, get them on your website, either cookie them so you can remarket to them or close them right there on the spot and sell your products. Um, it, it, it is honestly quite a, a quite simple business model. Yeah. And I think we complicate it because like you're, you're talking about like three-step funnels and I know what a funnel is, but for people that maybe don't have an understanding of what that is and maybe they're like, I had to make funnels and all that stuff. What, what's a funnel? What does a funnel do? Yeah. So this one's a little, probably a little different than even how you're thinking of funnel. So mm -hmm. Google shopping is simply, if you've ever went to Google and typed in a, a commercial intent keyword around a product, you've seen those little boxes on top, right? Those are, yep. those are Google shopping ads. Google would like you to run some of their new smart things that do work well. Uh, they're behind me. I don't know if this is on video or not, Joe, but I sell uh, pet supplements as one mm -hmm. of my businesses. Um, they're $40, $50, $60 or less. Those smart shopping campaigns Google wants you to set up work very, very well. Google's algorithm is getting very good. When it comes to higher ticket things, you're not going to convert on the term infrared sauna, right? No one's going to go to Google search infrared sauna and then be like, yep, I'm going to buy an $8,000 sauna right here on the spot, right? right. They yeah, might on some of these pet supplements or other mm -hmm. trinkets, uh, but they're not doing it on that. So what you need to do is set up a priority funnel. And that simply means you set up one campaign and set it as high priority. So all searches have to come into this high priority funnel. And then use choose the keywords that you would like to go to a different step. So that, that'll be medium priority and you use negative keywords to push them there. So uh, let's just call it the Memphis 700 pellet grill or whatever, right? So in the high priority, all keywords would come in there. Pellet grill, pellet grills for sale, best pellet grills 2022. I'm gonna push anything that contains the word Memphis down to medium using a negative keyword. Just use Memphis as a negative keyword phrase match. It'll push it. Now I'll duplicate that same funnel right or that same uh, campaign and make it medium priority and the only thing that can come here is what i told was negative from high right it has to go to high first mm -hmm. then it'll go to medium priority and then i can do that again and say exact match memphis whatever memphis 700 pellet grill exact match i want to push that down even further and i'll put that into a third uh, duplicated campaign with a low priority setting and then i can bid five dollars on that term right i'm not going to pay five dollars for somebody searching pellet grill or infrared sauna but i'll definitely will consider paying two to five dollars or one to five dollars for those exact match bottom of the funnel keywords right and so it's really thinking about where is your customer in their journey to buy this product if they're searching infrared sauna they're not close if they're searching brand versus brand they might be in the middle of the funnel right that's a keyword you might pay a little bit more for hopefully you have a piece of content ranking for that already and then at the bottom if they're searching an exact brand product skew even um, those people are probably closer to buying than somebody searching infrared sauna. So you're happy to pay more and get in front of them. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Like, and I put it in because I don't sell a product, but like, you know, like when you do hashtags on Instagram, if you have less viewers on it up for the hashtag, when someone reaches out, you have a higher chance of being at the top of that list. That's where my mind goes with it. At least mm -hmm. just trying to dial in. You're trying to, at least from what I'm hearing you say, you're trying to make it to where if they're very specific, yours will pop up and you can pay a few dollars for that one because it's a lot more likely to get 
they sailed in, like you said, pellet funnel or pellets. Yeah, pellet no, grill. and I definitely want, I still want people who are searching infrets on a pellet grill. I still want them to come to my site, but I, you know, how many of those people need to come there and work their way through my lead magnets, through my blog posts, get educated before they buy a lot, right? It's not going to be the, you know, the average e-commerce conversion rate is 2%. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be on search terms. People are, have, you know, commer commercial intent, not infrared sauna or pellet grill um, or, you know, house heater or whatever, the, whatever they're searching for, like the very generic term, I, I still want them to come, but I only want to pay like five, 10 cents for those terms yeah. versus somebody who's searching exactly what I sell. I want to pay a little more for them because they're clearly closer to the purchase than the, the other person. So someone starting out with this and we are, I know we're going a little bit more technical with this, but um, I, I think this is good. What type of investment would someone need if they're wanting to start this type of business? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I just uh, had these up. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. So uh, we have a video um, that says you can start for $500 in 30 days or less. And I'll stand by that all day long, right? So if you, uh, I think it's one of the beauties of this business. So just to frame it for you, if you were going to start a franchise, if you if you were like, man, a subway would kill in my town, you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. getting that building, getting that license, getting it going and hoping people want to come eat Subway from you. Uh, if you launched your own brand of products, you're going to need to do some research. You're going to need to send samples back and forth to China. You're probably going to place a huge order of, you know, five, $10,000 to get started. Uh, then you're going to launch and hope people, uh, you know, find your product or that you can interrupt them looking at grandma's dinner or what your friends did at the bar last week on Facebook and say, mm -hmm. Hey, want to buy this thing? Um, that's difficult, right? So high ticket drop shipping, all you need is you're going to need a domain name. Everybody needs a domain name. Uh, we recommend Shopify as your commerce platform. So the domain, 12 bucks. Shopify, 29 bucks. You can buy a paid theme if you want to. I don't think you actually need to, but you can. Those are 180 to 300. Uh, you know, little plug. If you buy our course, we'll actually give you a nice little theme. I don't think you need one. My first store, I didn't have one. So you, don't, you can exclude that if you want to. I think you should have Google Workspace, which is $12 a month so that you have, you know, Joe at mybusiness.com, right? Rather than Joe at gmail.com. Yeah. You want to look professional. Uh, you might want to get some, uh, uh, some branding done on Fiverr. Maybe that'll be $25. Uh, you'll again, want to be professional. You'll want to get an 800 number. So you can do that with grasshopper. That's $40 a month so that you have a 1-800 your business rather than, you know, just some random phone number in there just to look professional. And then the, your biggest expense is going to be Google ads. Google ads always runs a promo and it's either spend 150. We'll give you 150 or spend 500. We'll give you 500. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's going to be your biggest expense. And then of course your time, right? You're going to need to actually reach out to these brands, upload their products, you know, design your website a little bit. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of it. You can get started for less than 500 bucks in less than 30 days. And you're going to learn marketing, hopefully while making money uh, from these sales. You're going to, you're going to have to learn Google ads. You're going to learn a little SEO. You're going to learn conversion rate optimization. You're going to learn copywriting. You're going to learn a little bit of code because you're going to have to do a little bit of coding in your website, even just to put pixels in there. And so hopefully you're doing all of this while getting paid, while making sales and essentially, you know, getting a marketing degree while you're getting paid for it rather than paying tens of thousands of dollars to go to college. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing I think of, because like I'm on the other side of talking and interacting with people for people that maybe want to get in sales or business, but not have to do presentations or do other stuff. This is a really good model to go into where like say maybe you don't want to have to coach people or train them with something or get in front of them a lot more because a lot of the stuff that you're selling the branding and the marketing that's been done you're just directing them to your site if i'm hearing you correctly yeah the beauty of this is people are already searching for these brands right so there's it's not like you have to 
learn sales and learn how to market yourself. A lot of this work is done for you by the brands who have already built wonderful products. They've done a lot of marketing and now people are looking for comparisons. A lot of times it's, you know, they want to see this grill versus that grill or this sauna versus that sauna. If you can put out that content or if you can drive them to a product page that actually gives them more information, uh, maybe you bought one of these products and shot your own video, however you can give more value. Um, but people are already searching for this. So that, that's the beauty of this, right? There's already traffic on demand for you simply waiting for you to just get in front of that keyword. So is this a lot like, cause I've had people hit me up like for affiliate marketing. Is this similar or is this a different beast all entirely? Yeah, so affiliate marketing, typically, you're going to do that uh, via blog. Now, uh, Web2 has exploded, right? So you could have your own podcast. I, I know I affiliate marketed podcasts uh, mm -hmm. when, I, when I had a podcast. <clears throat> and you could do this via blog or you could do this social media. I'm sure we all have someone in our Facebook feed who is, you know, telling you to go buy something through their link, right? It's simply yep. referral marketing. So this is a little different because you actually own the customer. When it's an affiliate marketing, if I, you know, if I had you, if you have a course, Joe, and I have you on my podcast, and then we tell everyone to go buy your course, uh, likely they're going to do that through an affiliate link, but you, that's your customer, right? You, you're still going <laughs> right. to take care of them in the course. This model, that's my customer, right? So if you buy, let's just say I own pelletgrillpros.com still, and you buy a Memphis from me, Memphis will ship it to you with my label on it, but you're my customer, right? I have mm -hmm. to handle everything from that point on. I have the ability to remarket to you. I have the ability to take you on some sort of journey after your purchase or, or uh, love your customer sequence or anything like that, right? In affiliate marketing, you're just passing that off to somebody and hoping that traffic converts. Gotcha. So with it being yours, do you handle like the customer service issues, like say, hey, they get the product, they don't like it, the returns, that type of stuff. I always like to look at the whole picture of what people are getting into. Yeah, so there can be some downsides there, of course, as you are, you know, kind of a middleman, I would say. Um, but yes, you, you're going to have to deal with the customer service of the customer. They're your customer, right? And so uh, some of the things you're going to be able to handle, some of the things you're not going to be able to. But I reference, I reference like a this is gonna make me sound old, but do you remember buying a boom box at Walmart or something like mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a nice system back in the day, that was the cool thing, right? Yep. Uh, to put your cassette tape in. Um, <laughs> you bought it from Sony and it broke. Do you go to Walmart and return it? Maybe. Do you go to Walmart and say, uh, can you fix my damaged thing? No, you go to Sony for that, right? So the same yep. sort of thing's gonna happen here. If there's a defect in the item, I'm gonna talk to Memphis, who's gonna just send them a new part or a new piece for that, right? Um, uh, or if it's a, a an exchange, they're likely going to send it back to the brand, and the brand mm -hmm. will exchange it and send it back out. And now, you know, there might be some costs in there that are going to fall on you. That's not going to fall on the brand, uh, but that's the price of doing business sometimes. And so, most of the time, you can handle some of the, you know, easy easy customer service issues, and then you'll have to send them to the brand for some things. But that's the way it is in in, in all aspects. And so, um, you know that can be the downside. There are brands out there who are like, We're, we don't take returns. You're just going to have to deal with this. Right. And so uh, you're going to have to do a good job of either building a nice policy around that, let the customer understand that this is a, a product that's unreturnable, or you're just going to have to eat that cost again as a price of doing business. So, you know, there's uh, all business isn't smiles yep. and roses, right? There's some, right. there's some real shit underneath a lot of this stuff. Well, I mean, that's business in general. Like when you're in sales, business marketing, trying to create something new, there's going to always be, you know, stuff you have to deal with. I mean, that, that makes sense. So what is it like, and I know everyone's different, but like, say someone's just starting out, they invest the 500, they can start making money. What, like a ballpark, how much can people make off of this business? Just like 
from the experience that you've, you've run in with people that you've helped? I mean, if, are we talking hundreds of thousands? Are we talking 60,000? Are we talking, you know, an extra 10 because of, and I know a lot of it's work and time, but. Yeah, I'll give you a few examples just to give you an idea. So in 2015, when I started, I took the course, I built a website. I was, I was honestly too scared to call suppliers. Someone in the forums I was part of said they were too ill to run their business. They had four suppliers on board and he, he would sell me his business for 400. And that was my escape to not call suppliers. Mm-hmm. I buy it for 400. The main supplier dropped me immediately. Um, so I ended up having to call them anyway. It took a, a month or so for me to gather up the, uh, you know, the, the gumption to kiss the girl here. Um, but I called, I got, I got 20 out of 20. Long story short, I ran that business for about eight months before I sold it. The first month I didn't, you know, maybe made 200 bucks. Maybe the next mm-hmm. month I made 300 bucks, right? It was a slow slog. But over the course of the eight months, I was averaging 1500 to $2,000 profit on the business. And that's when um, the owner of Empire Flippers met me at a conference. And he was like, that you could sell this right now for uh, 40K is what he estimated. And I was like, that's my year salary at a Walmart distribution center in 2015. That that mm-hmm. really excited me, right? And so I did end up selling that business for 40K. And that at that time, that was honestly, that was life-changing for me. I didn't know you yeah. could do this stuff. I had no idea. Uh, my dad worked as a factory worker and my mom was a CNA. At that time, I was working at a factory. My wife was a CNA. I was living what I had learned, right? And so mm-hmm. um, 40K was a lot of money to me. Um, yeah. Step forward in that, uh, the next business I was part of, um, I exited that one in about a year. I partnered with uh, a guy. We took his one business, turned it into shoptinyhouses.com, and he bought me out uh, for, I want to say it was like 60K, which was, I owned half the business. So um, that one was valued at, you know, 120K. I'm sure he's doing a whole lot better than that. A uh, little side note, my wife asked for a divorce the moment I told her. That was a, that was not a good day in my life. Uh, but anyway, paid off all of our debt and moved forward. Uh, the next business I was part of, we uh, I coached these guys in their first three months. They bought some consulting from me. I coached them to a quarter million in their first three months. We remained friends for the next nine months as they also lived in Wisconsin. We had some things in common. Mm-hmm. At, at the one year mark, they had hit $1 million in their first year and they asked me to come on board. Um, so I came on board and two years later, we did $11 million in revenue and then they bought me back out. Um, that was a personal seven figure victory for me mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, taking a business to eight figures is going to increase your multiple. When you exit, it's going to increase what you can do. Most businesses nowadays are, you know, 10 to 20% profit, um, at the end of the day, almost all businesses are like that. Unless you're selling a, a you know, a SaaS product or an information product. If you're selling physical products, you're likely going to be in that 10 to 20% take home rate. So, um, I, I, I've, have a lot of students who are in that six figure, high six figure range. We have quite a few students who are in that seven figure range. And there's a, there's a few that are, have hit that eight figure range, but you can do the math yourself when you're doing 11, 12, $13 million in sales. And you're taking 10 to 20% of that home at the end of the day. I do think there's an opportunity to not scale this and treat it more like a lifestyle business where you're doing, you know, a million dollars a year, you're taking home $200,000 of that. Mm-hmm. You only have one or two VAs running this business with you and you're happy, right? And that's what I just want people to be happy. And for you, that might be a million dollars a year. And for another person that might be 75, probably closer to a hundred thousand dollars a year now with inflation, but Mm -hmm. whatever that is for you, I want you to be happy. And the beauty of this business is you can, you can run it anywhere in the world, right? So I was originally sold on this model as you could live on a beach in Thailand for 2000 bucks a month. And I thought that was what I wanted. It's not what I wanted, but it sold me on the idea that you could do this and you could be happy on a couple grand living in paradise. And I love that because I always teach life by design. I teach what makes you happy. And what a lot of people, because you mentioned the 200,000 number, what a lot of people don't realize because we see the flashy Instagram cars and the Lambos and all is if you make 100,000 a year or more, you're in the top 30%. 
If you make 150, you're in the top 10. If you make over 200, you're in the top, I think it's either three to 5% of income earners in the world. I'm not against people being millionaires. I'm not against people making money, totally do that. But just get your life by design, what you want to do. It's life-changing. Like we're talking about life-changing money and you're able to do it, like you said, from your home and be able to help people. I think there's that line too, where there's diminishing returns and it's mm-hmm. not much more than you just said. I think 400,000 puts you in the 1% nowadays. Yeah. Um, if you make 400,000 a year, you can't really do much more than you did at 200,000 a year. Like there, there's a, there's a mark where you, you have a cleaner, cleaner house, you have a chef, make your meals and you, you know, have a nanny perhaps. So like you have all the niceties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this huge gap until you have a private jet. Like there's, there's yeah. that whole space in between is kind of no man's land where you're only getting more stressed and you're not really getting any more reward out of it. And so you'll find that number for you. Like it, I can't remember what book it is, but um, there's quite a few books that have you reverse engineer this and really write out everything you would like to have and then add it up. And I think you'd be shocked at how small that number actually is to have everything you truly want to be happy. And if you can find a business, whether it's whatever I'm talking about or whatever Joe's talking about or any of your other guests that really make you happy and you can make that dollar a month and you should be running after that. Yeah. Well, because it, it's funny once you get to, like you said, once you get a certain amount, you get to do things like I took the kids to Disney world. We went to Hawaii a couple of times. We've done all the different fun stuff. And I'm like, well, what now? You know, I, I can go and make more money in my day job with sales, but I'd rather help people make money because now I can help other dads or moms, you know, do the things they wanted to do without that financial pressure. So I love this. I, I like that a lot. So how did you get into having your own? Was it just the natural progression to do the pet food or the pet supplement uh, e-commerce business as well? Because you just decided to have your own brand or how did you get into that? Yeah, so that uh, kind of a funny story. So first off, uh, that same conference where the uh, gentleman from Empire Flippers, Justin Cook, told me I could sell my business. There was two guys there selling a course on Amazon FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon. Mm-hmm. My wife and I, my ex-wife now, <laughs> sat at a different dinner table every single night, and those two gentlemen came and sat by us every single night, every lunch. Um, and we weren't trying to avoid them; we were just trying to meet other people. And they sat by; they kind of took a shining to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they took advantage of me in hindsight, if I'm honest. They knew I was selling my business, and they were like, how would you like to give us $8,000 and own 10% of this business? Uh, so we started uh, Creatively Calm Studios, an adult coloring book company. They didn't allow me to do literally anything in the business. I just kind of sat there in it. Um, we had a pretty big exit, so that was nice later on uh, a few years down the road. But that was my introduction to uh, actually selling your own brand of products, a smaller brand. And so... Uh, I had launched some gel pens uh, under a brand. It d- they didn't do very well, but they worked with the the coloring books. And then one day, uh, I'm a podcast junkie, Joe. I listen to mm-hmm. like I have like 20 on rotation, and I don't miss an episode. Uh, and one of those shows back then said the Amazon $500 challenge was dead. That you couldn't go start a new FBA brand for 500 bucks. So FBA was the hot thing in 2015, yeah. 16, 17. I have no idea why, but that day I was like, fuck that. It's not that I'll figure it out today. Yeah. So I, I hopped on Amazon. I found a dog glucosamine, a liquid glucosamine for dogs that was selling really, really well. Had no competitors whatsoever. It took me about 30 minutes to find the manufacturer of this. And they told me the minimum order quantity was 12 bottles. And I went, let's fucking go. Right. So <laughs> like I found a designer on Upwork and I got started, I think for like $282 or something like that. I, so I started side story. I don't even like dogs. That's the weird part. Uh, I just did this on a whim uh-huh. and, uh, Amazon did what Amazon did, right? If you just, if you rank your product in their a nine algorithm, you're going to, you're going to sell product. Uh, and if it's a good product, you're going to do well. 
this was a great product. Uh, about a year later, my cat jumped out of my window and started walking towards me with a limp. And I was like, oh shit. Like, you know, that's a hard feeling to see mm-hmm. one of your yep. best friends start aging. Uh, and I looked and my manufacturer had a glucosamine for cats too. And I was like, well, what do I have to lose? Let's give it a shot. I gave him that for three days and he stopped limping immediately. Oh, he, was nice. running, he was running around the house again. And I was like, oh shit, now I'm, now I'm bought in. Right. So I put him on the label and I launched that product. That is now our best seller by far. Um, and you know, that gave me some buy into this business. And so for years, I just let Amazon grow it. I launched all the variations of the glucosamines and the vitamins, uh, and then launched some fish oils along with it. And, uh, Amazon grew it and grew it. And, uh, at one point, uh, I, I met this guy at, uh, George Bryant's mastermind, actually, uh, buddy came to me and he's like, why aren't you focusing on that brand? Like that has a lot of potential. I want to get away from, he, he owns a design agency. He wanted to operate. So he stepped in mm-hmm. and then, uh, I hired uh, Leanna Patch from punchlinecopy.com, one of the best funny copywriters I've ever met. She's also a, a crazy cat lady. She has like 10 cats. So uh, <laughs> she was writing all the copy for us. And I was like, you're awesome. great. And I, I kept buying her days at like three grand a day. And then I was just like, do you just want to be part of this business? And so she bought in, uh, bought a percentage from me. I, I sold some to uh, the other gentleman who wanted to operate. Um, actually signed a, a warehouse lease this week and uh, about to move in as well. And so like really taking off, uh, we did last year's revenue in a month and a half this year. So like just exploding. And so, mm-hmm. um, I can't, I can't ignore this business or let it sit off to the side anymore. And, uh, yeah, this year I've been really leaning into that, but that's how it started. Uh, just on a whim, a, a podcast told me I couldn't do something. And I said, fuck that. I'm going to do it today. So I love that. That's, that's like the pure entrepreneur. They're like Alex Sharfman will talk about that, where he like, we go into the future and we create something that's not there and just make it happen. I love that. We're not done, but I always like to do this in the middle. Tell people where they can find you on your course, on your pet supplement. What's the best place to, to get BK? Yeah, typically, if you're listening to this, you're a podcast junkie like myself. Welcome. Welcome to the club. Uh, and I would just send you over to ours. So dropshippodcast.com. We're on all the players, as you can imagine, under Dropship Podcast. And if you start at the beginning, we, like I said, we, we give this whole model away for free. Um, if you want someone to hold your hand, then come join us inside our course. That's dropshipbreakthrough.com, uh, where my partner John and I – We've given away everything we have, uh, and we've got a little uh, subscription on the back of it, uh, $97 a month where you'll you get group coaching, you'll get office hours with me, you'll get a private Slack channel with all of uh, the, the private members, um, and so there's ability to have a bit of community there. Um, but if that's not for you, great. Listen to our podcast and get started. My whole goal here is to like help e-commerce change the lives of more people because it truly changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I I it's, it's hard to remember what it was like to work at that warehouse and stress about money every day. Um, but I do remember, and I don't ever fucking want to go back to that. And so, uh, e-commerce helped me find out who I was. And if I can, you know, if I can find that weird kid in the classroom, who's just like me, who, you know, didn't know where they fit in and this is what's for them and I can help change their life. Then that's exactly what I want to do. So dropship podcast, we have a, a Patreon where we go a little deeper, patreon.com slash dropship podcast, dropship breakthrough.com is our course. And, uh, my pets brand is paramountpethealth.com. And then I do, uh, I do have a high ticket dropshipping business that, uh, I'm going to keep that one under wraps, I think for a little bit longer, just to let it scale. We're, uh, you know, the market's wild right now. I want to, I want to build in that during that market and explode when we come back out of this. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So let's talk podcasting a little bit because you, I, I think I saw it on your page. How many downloads has your podcast gotten now? Yeah, I'll refresh it right now. I'm on the screen here. So uh, we started eight months ago and uh, we crossed 32,000 today. 32,000. That's amazing. That is crazy good. Now, is your podcast more, just like specifically on drop shifting or, or what, what's like you just have niched down into just how to do drop shipping? 
yeah, so I told you early in the show that like SEO makes my nerdy little heart uh, go wild, right? So like mm-hmm. that's what helped me explode in these e-commerce businesses is actually like doing SEO well. Um, but you can kind of do that same sort of thing with podcasts or with YouTube videos or both and mix them together, right? And so if you can just hit the right keywords and get in front of an audience who are searching for those keywords, kind of the same thing you're doing in this dropshipping business, you're going to win. And so John and I came together and we we're like, what, what have you done? He actually brought me into that. He's been trying to get me to do this course with him for a couple of years. Uh, during COVID, we hung out every Friday on zoom. He's in Australia. So we'd hang out Friday oh, afternoons. Sweet. We'd shoot the shit. And, uh, he finally convinced me to do it. So when I, when I came in, I was like, here's, here's how I would like to scale this, right? We can run ads all day long and that's fine. Or we can go out and hit every single keyword that exists in here. And really it's just going to tell the customer journey. If you can go find those keywords, place them in the order of the customer journey and lay it out. So that's exactly what we did with this podcast. We started all, it's all on high ticket dropshipping. But uh, if you look at it, the episodes are, what is dropshipping? What is high ticket dropshipping? High ticket versus low ticket dropshipping? How much does it cost to start dropshipping? Uh, is dropshipping too competitive, right? And it just, we went through the keywords um, and then we set up the Patreon on the back end to go deeper, to go, you know, these are 20 minute podcasts. Uh, we do hour longs with some of our students who have had success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Patreon, we, John, it's really a little more raw. John, John and I can talk about more of our experiences that, um, you know, it's a gated community. We know who's in yep. there listening. And so we can be careful with the words we're saying, uh, a little less careful with the words we're saying, knowing who's going to listen to this. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I do have, I do definitely commend you because getting people to listen and growing your podcast um, it's not as always as easy as people think it might be. Yeah, for sure. So I know this as well, because we were talking a little bit before, you're a baseball fan. So huge. <laughs> um, my thoughts were, I was going to ask you what your favorite team was, but you have the twin shirt on, so I know that. Uh, what is your favorite baseball memorabilia that you have then? I, I'm going to be honest and say I'm not much of a memorabilia guy, but there's a, have you ever heard of the book Giftology? Yeah vaguely i've not read it though i've heard of it basically it's saying like you build real relationships all the time and to solidify those imagine if you like you know me i'm a huge twins five you listen to this whole thing so basically this is exactly what happened uh my friend justin christensen i believe he never did fess up to doing this um we you know i met him at george bryant's mastermind i took him out to dinner that night and then we hired him for our company and then out of nowhere this uh this signed photo of kirby puckett shows up at my door nice. um, and again he wouldn't admit to it but um i'm pretty sure this might be my nicest piece or uh, I've, I've always been into baseball cards uh, and they've changed a lot over the years and so i've got some decently high-end cards as well and uh, I don't know if I have anything that really stands out. Like I've got a few, th- you know, I've got a fat head on the wall over here or somewhere back behind me here is the picture of the stadium and some bobbleheads. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a whole lot of uh, amazing memorabilia. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. When I lived in Michigan, so I'm originally from Michigan and we moved down to Texas. So I wasn't a baseball fan up in Michigan. My grandma loved the Tigers. I'd watch it if I was at her house because they made me. But my son was eight and we took him to the Rangers baseball game, the ballpark. And he fell in love with it. And now we watch baseball pretty much every night. It's kind of funny how those little shifts and those memories will affect you with it. What was your, did you like go to the park when you were younger or what got you to love baseball? Yeah. So I, uh, I live roughly 15 minutes from the border, uh, right by Minneapolis, St. Paul, but I'm in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like the cities, the suburbs, a river, one city, and then you're immediately into lifted trucks and Trump land. Yeah. It's, Wisconsin, Barry, Wisconsin, just over the border. That's where I live. Um, and so my dad grew up right here as well. And when he was a kid, you couldn't get 
the Brewers on the radio, which would be the Wisconsin team. Like if you live in Wisconsin, even though I'm 10 minutes from the border, you better be a Packer fan. That's the way it is in this, in this mm-hmm. state, right? Yeah. Baseball's the same way, but except my dad couldn't get the Brewers on the radio. And so all he could listen to was the twins. Um, and it's a very short drive over there. So he would, you know, as he got older and could afford it, uh, he was able to go to some games at the, where the mall of America is now the, the stadium was underneath there. Um, and he would bring us occasionally to games. Like he worked at a, uh, a factory and the truck drivers would come in occasionally and give him tickets. I, I have no idea why. And we would go to Timberwolves games mm-hmm. uh, maybe once a year. We would go to the Metrodome, which is an experience in itself, yep. uh, once a year. And so I <laughs> I sucked at every sport. My brother is this like freak athlete. He still holds a bunch of records in the school. And I, I was fucking terrible. So you, as you can imagine, my dad, who's a sports junkie, and my brother, who's really good at sports, bonded. And I was kind of the misfit who was like looking for any reason to connect with my dad. And so baseball was that connection for me to have with my dad. I really loved the sport. I was fairly good at it, um, but I was I was kind of an idiot as a kid. So I never like actually leaned into it too much. And so, but that's where it started. It was you know going to the Metrodome with my dad, having something that I actually cared about uh, to talk about, and. Um, from there, I'm not really sure. It just kind of blossomed, and then COVID came along. I used to be into football and college football and mm-hmm. fantasy football. I don't know what happened during COVID, but I I could care less about any other sport at this point, and I just I love geeking out about baseball, and I'm a huge Minnesota Twins junkie. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I think it changes because, like I said, when I lived up in Michigan, I was a big football fan. I still am kind of a big football fan, but now, like, we, when I say we watch baseball, like, after this podcast, baseball will be on. It's funny. My youngest is like, are you watching it again? Like she likes to go to the game, but it's just, it's just funny. The, the connections that, that happen with that. Yeah. It's kind of a, a thing in our house as well. The, the, the children, uh, we, you know, two seven year old stepkids and they, they're just constantly asking questions and they're like, do you watch every game? And I'm like, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> like, and they're like, what, like, don't you do anything else? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I work a lot. And then I enjoy watching baseball. It's my time to relax. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's so great. There's so many ties. Like, so I, I pulled up this thing. I'm about to make a YouTube video on this. Um, there's so many ties to entrepreneurship here for me in baseball. And I'll just give you a few examples that I typed out for this video. Um, it's honestly the hardest sport hitting a baseball, hitting a hundred mile an hour baseball from 60 feet away is the hardest thing there is in sports. No question. Yeah. Um, and it might be the hardest journey as well. Cause you, you're drafted out of high school or maybe you played a little college. You're in the minor leagues for four to six years living, you know, five person, five people to an apartment, uh, sleeping on a mattress, making literally zero dollars. Um, somehow they, they coerce Congress to pass a bill that they don't even have to pay a minimum wage. That's bananas to me. Um, America. Uh, and then, so like, it's the hardest journey ever. And it like the minor leagues to the major league journey is just crazy. Maybe you make it to the major leagues where you make the league minimum of $500,000 a year, which sounds like a lot, but you just spent six years of your life making peanuts, uh, to get here and make 500,000 the average lifespan of a major leaguer is less than three years. And so in your first three years, you make the minimum wage. And that's when you finally hit arbitration where you might make a million dollars the next year, maybe 1.2 the next year or two or three. If you're a good player, you might make 10 in your mm-hmm. final year of arbitration. And that's when you finally get a paycheck that no one's going to pay you because now you're 31 years old and they don't want you on your team. Right? So unless you're yeah. an absolute phenom, you never make money in this sport or real money in this sport. And so, um, I, I like how hard that is. I like how hard entrepreneurship is. Uh, and I would imagine your like one thing I love about entrepreneurship is your bullshit boils up and yep. your limiting beliefs show up all throughout your journey. And if you don't conquer them, you're going to be stuck right where you are. And I would imagine 
it boils up quite a bit when you're making $400 a month living on a mattress with five other dudes and, and eating ramen every night. I would imagine that boils up too. So uh, some of the other things I love are like you lose more than you win. Like best, the best, absolute best players in baseball hit one out of three baseballs for a hit. That's, that's wild to me. The absolute best players, one out of three. That's very much like entrepreneurship, right? You're going to lose <laughs> a lot before you win. Uh, 162 games a year is a grind, just like your journey is going to be a constant grind. There's no finish line in this game. Um, it's a long game. Uh, and so like, uh, when I wrote this, uh, I wrote this a few weeks back, Carlos Correa was having the worst month he's ever had in his entire career. And we signed him for $35 million. Um, and he wasn't worried about it at all. Every interview he was on, he was like, what are you talking about? It's, it's April. Who cares? Like, you know, this is all going to even out mm -hmm. in the end. And so entrepreneurship, entre entrepreneurship is the same way. There's going to be months, there's going to be years perhaps where it sucks. Uh, but if, if you're constantly looking out in that long view and, and playing the long game, um, you're going to do all right. Um, I also like that anyone can win in basketball. If you go to the basketball or football playoffs and you have the one seed versus the eight seed, who's going to win the, the one seed, gonna, the one yeah. seed's going to win every single time in baseball. That's just not, that's not the case. In fact, the worst team in all of the playoffs last year, the Atlanta Braves won the whole thing. Um, yeah. I like that anyone can win. And I think entrepreneurship's the same way. Literally anyone can win if they're willing to do the work. Um, and then trust the process, just good things happen. If you just keep showing up and executing, um, things are going to go your way. And so like all those ties to me, uh, that is why these are my two greatest joys in life outside of my son, uh, is baseball and entrepreneurship. I know. I love that. I love that hundred percent. And the other thing I thought about was the connection they have with the other players. So entrepreneurs need that connection as well. Like you mentioned, you were in Georgia's mastermind. I'm sure there's other people that you partner with that have helped you through the, you know, the process, the journey and all of that. But yeah, that's an awesome analogy. I love that. Yeah, community's huge. Like this is no doubt if it, more people should talk about how fucking lonely this game is. I don't know where you're at in Texas. If you're in Austin, good for you. That's where everyone appears to be nowadays. But again, I live, you know, it would take me in the evenings when they have these meetups, it takes me about an hour to get to the west side of Minneapolis to go to these meetups. Mm -hmm. um, and there's only 10 people there. And that's in all of the Twin Cities that we're trying to gather as many people as we can. And so this is lonely. I, I wish I had someone down the street that I could go on a walk with every day and just shoot the shit or go have a coffee with every day. Uh, and so finding those communities and building, really building those relationships are what you know amplify your journey. And so, yeah, shout out to George, man. Uh, that was the first mastermind I ever did. I, he invited me. I went there thinking I'm learning marketing. And for three days, we bawled our eyes out, yep, uh, which yep, is exactly what I needed. <laughs> yes. Um, there was Elliot Rowe, who's now he's now my coach. Um, he singled me and uh, my friend Kayvon out of the room and really saw something in us we didn't see in ourselves. Uh, and I started working with Elliot, who really helped me demolish all of those inner demons I had and, and really take me to the next level. And then, you know, be in a room with people who are literally the best in the world at what they do in a room. I don't honestly, I don't feel like I belong in most of the time mm -hmm. when I'm there. But, you know, those are the relationships I'll treasure the rest of my life. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that 100 percent. I'm actually in Dallas, Fort Worth, but. I, I did go down to Austin recently for a GB event. George was having an event down there. But oh, nice. yeah, I think it's true. Cause like I learned, I've been to two of his events and the first one I was in, it was like, I was making moves and starting my business and stuff. And I didn't realize how much I needed the community or how I felt, but it wasn't like I felt out of place as much as like, it was like, I felt like there's other people like me. Cause you mentioned that lonely thing that, cause we're oddballs. People that are entrepreneurs, yep. you, this picks you, really. You can't do anything else. You'll be miserable, mad, upset, frustrated. Because honestly, with my day job, sales job, I make really good money. I don't have to do this. But I do this because I love helping people and I love seeing that light bulb moment pop. And I think that's the same thing with entrepreneurs. We like the hard things. If it was easy, we wouldn't do it. 
I think you nailed it though. We're all fucking weirdos. Like, well, really, yeah, that's really. I'm we're, good we're with weird. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. Who would trade working 40 hours a week, making really good money, to working 80 hours a week to make maybe that amount of money and have all the risk? Or who would want to go do something that no one else has proven and have all that stress? But entrepreneurs, that's what we do. That's how we're built. That's how our mind works. But, but the community weirdos. for sure. We're yeah. fucking weirdos. <laughs> go meet some of the, like, uh, uh, some of it was disheartening when I met some of my idols that I had up on these pedestals. And I'm like, yeah. oh, first off, they're, a lot of them are full of shit. Yeah. Uh, and then they're also really weird, like over the top, too too weird for me. Um, but a lot of them just turned out to be just like me, who just like didn't fit in in high school, couldn't really find their friend group, didn't really understand like where they fit in in the world. They were trying to fit in this box we're all told we're supposed to live in and it, that didn't feel right. And so, uh, you know, finding, uh, it took me until I was 30 to figure this out. So um, finding that at 30, finding some people who were like doing the same thing as me and uh, had the same worldview as me was life-changing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I played the sales game where I had a business without the overhead. That's what I would tell myself for like the first 44 years of my life. And then about a year ago, I started the podcast and started doing sales coaching and just, you know, actually doing more entrepreneurial things. And just like you said, finding that right group for you. Community matters. Community matters more than anything else. I'm just leveling up. You got to put yourself out there though, to find some of those people, right? I think too many people want to sit in their hole and not be themselves. And so Early on, I started a podcast. It was called Take Consistent Action. I still own the domain because that's a hell of a domain. But yep. um, that was scary as hell to like put myself out there and talk about at the time, you know, making a thousand dollars a month. Who the fuck am I to talk about making a thousand dollars a month? But you know, a lot of people needed to hear that. There was a lot of people on that same journey who found me by me speaking out. And that you know, that's I don't know. I I, I liked being a magnet. I, I, I liked being able to come to my shell and then all of a sudden, you know, the internet's a wonderful thing, right? You can be into underwater basket weaving and you're going to yep. find your people. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Any other words of wisdom, anything we missed for like drop shipping, life, entrepreneurship, baseball? Yeah, I mean, the only advice I ever give at the end of the show is just kiss the girl. Uh, I think that's the the biggest thing holding anyone back was even if they're listening to the show, they, they've got ideas in their head of grandeur, right? Go. Like, I, I don't understand the not going part. It, it, even looking back, I think how dumb I was at not going. Um, like, I had a failed business in uh, 24, 25. I started a, a – you an MMA fan by any chance? Yeah, I like MMA. So way back in the day, I think he still says it a lot, but Joe Rogan would – every knockout, he'd be like, ah, he got hit right on the button. And I was like, wait a minute, tap out exists. Why is there not on the button? So I started on the button fight gear. Uh, ended up taking a big L there. Just bought a ton of shirts thinking everyone who told me they were going to buy was going to buy. They definitely don't. Don't trust anyone ever. Uh, no, one, <laughs> yeah. no one wants to help you. Um, and so we just had a bunch of these shirts and we sponsored fighters. And then one of the fighters turned out to be somebody we didn't really want to be associated with. And it was just – so I, I honestly, I sulked on that from – I think that ended at 24 or 25. I sulked for years. Um, I, I definitely knew I needed something else, but I never was willing to take the chance. And just looking back, I wish I could have just given myself the shove. And so whatever that is for you, like if you have an idea in your head or something you're listening to, whether it's me or Joe or something else that intrigues you, uh, go like right now, go sit at your computer and go take the first two steps. Like just put two hours of work in, whatever that is. Go find, if it's like dropshipping, go find a product, go find an audience, uh, go find a manufacturer, call one manufacturer, whatever you need to do to like get momentum moving you won't regret it. And it won't be as scary as you think it's going to be, even though, you know, it sure seems like it now. Yeah. I love that. BK, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you. And for everyone listening, share this episode. You know, someone that needs to hear this and until next time, take action, get going and move forward. 
Thank you for listening to the 150K Podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K Podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.